Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, this time joined by Brian Christofferson and Michael Brunts. We are the full crew for the first time in what feels like a month. I don't know if that's accurate, but... Uh, I think that was a little exaggeration. Yeah. But it's been a bit. We, we went a whole week without it. Yeah. We did two podcasts last week. That might be the going number uh, going forward. So, you know, those of you that enjoyed us once a week, now you're getting it twice a week. So those of you that didn't enjoy us once a week, now you're getting it twice a week. <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's a win for everybody here. But there's, we got a lot to get into. Uh, we're going to mainly focus on Nebraska football today. We haven't really had a chance to break down what we've heard from the spring thus far. And so I think we will kind of start there. And, and we're going to start with a name that has continually come up since really the first practice that uh, we heard his name early in March all the way through Ryan Held talking about him yesterday. Brody Belt, flavor of the spring, that seem accurate? Yeah, it's a, it's a good spring story. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to say it's more than that yet because obviously uh, some big boys are coming in here in a couple months. But we're talking about a guy who's a redshirt freshman. So, I mean, he's got four years to produce here. So even if it doesn't necessarily translate into anything this fall – I think I don't think it's just a fluff what the coaches are saying about him. And we heard that buzz like even like the first week. I remember someone who saw the practice is like, man, Belt made like a one-handed catch, yeah. or like he did, you know. It, so he's been kind of consistently doing it. And then there was a Friday scrimmage where I, I guess he really popped out, and Troy Walters had a pretty uh, pretty high praise for him. So you love stuff like that. I think in a more general sense. I believe in the next year or so, you're going to really see that walk-on group of the last two classes. You're going to see four or five, six guys start to pop up, and maybe they aren't going to be stars, but they're going to have consistent roles. Who do you think that's going to be, Brian? Call your shot. Well, and he, a safe guess is uh, A.J. Forbes, I think, can at some point contribute in some way to the depth of the O-line. I don't know if it's a starter or not, but I don't think it's this year. But I think Greg Austin just loves the way that guy works, and there, there's a place for guys uh, like that. I think Joey Johnson um, mm-hmm. from Gretna at middle linebacker, Rude likes a lot, and they obviously need depth there. And Barrett Rude's a guy who you know, grew up in this program where walk-ons had to help, and so you know that he's going to get a, a very good look. And I thought he was a pretty good player coming out of high school, so those are a few guys that come to my mind. Yeah, that the the next couple of years, I I think you're right that you know when, when you see these guys, you know, it, going to work with Zach Duvall because that's kind of what makes that walk on reemphasis go is you know give these guys two years and uh, you know I, I think people maybe forget that Brody Belt was actually an early enrollee, uh, which you very rarely see uh, with walk ons, and I mean. I, I can only think of maybe him, and I think Justin Holm was, yeah, the, other, was the other name I was thinking. Uh, early enrollee. So, uh, I mean, and, and you know, even Trent Hickson. I mean, uh, he's one of the five best linemen Nebraska has right now. He's another part of that walk-on group too. So, um, you know, I, I think as as long as you're kind of sliding guys in where, you know, they're more of a luxury almost rather than a, a necessity, which is kind of how they've felt in the past you know, maybe four or five mm-hmm. years, I think you can, you know, kind of do something there. And we got to be fair about giving guys, you know, I think it's easy to wave your hand and say, nah, Brody Bell, that's a little, 
March or April thing, and, and maybe it is, but let's look at it this way. If, like, Jalen Bradley were getting some of the kudos that Belt is this spring, we'd be thinking, oh, Jalen Bradley's in position to do something. And I, I think you got to always put yourself in the mind of the coaches who they do not see a difference necessarily between the walk-on and scholarship guys. It's all equal once you step out there. Yeah, Brady Belt was the guy for Millard West in 2017. They're a quarterfinalist team, and he ran for – a little more than 1,500 yards, uh, and that was a program that's been pretty good. In 2016, um, he was a backup running back for him. He really kind of took advantage of his opportunity, parlayed it into the the chance to walk on in Nebraska, and it's just kind of, you know, for the lack of a better pun, run with it. So I, I'm going to be curious. You know, we've seen these guys emerge throughout time, whether it's Wyatt Mazur, Austin Rose. I mean, there's been uh, – several running backs that have had uh, opportunities in the spring that then kind of parlay them into special teams work and other things. I think that's the thing about a guy like Brody Belt is, you know, you're not necessarily going to see him lined up with Adrian Martinez next fall, but he can still help this team in special teams, maybe give them a little bit of an option, or you get to the point where you start getting these leads that Nebraska fans haven't seen in a while. He might be running with the third team. You could see him out there with, you know, a backup quarterback and, and getting options late in games. And so uh, it, it has been interesting. I know that I tend to probably go too far with my ignoring of some of these names that have come up in recent years, in part because a lot of times they just fill fill the gap in the spring, if you will, and then you don't see or hear of them in the fall. But a guy like Belt with four years to go, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this isn't going to be the last we've heard of him. Yeah, and then I guess the other part of the spring that has been interesting to me is the wide receivers, just trying to figure out who is actually coming up to the surface there. And it it felt like it's been Andre Hunt pushing, pushing toward popping out of the water, and then finally this week I felt like it kind of we got to that point where you know Walter saying, yeah, he's he's with the ones. He kind of felt like he separated him from that other group of guys. Which is interesting because this is a guy who a year ago, and this is what the coaches will tell you, he was struggling catching the ball and maybe with his focus. And and now, you know, he's probably one of the top two or three guys at that position at this very moment. Uh, obviously, Cade Warner and J.D. Spielman are there, um, and they're going to use guys like Wandale out there too. But uh, Andre Hunt's I, I like his story because he's a guy who, when he was recruited, I think he was kind of under the radar in that class a little bit. Well, he was he was a late addition, you know, visited the last weekend that, that he possibly could, was coming off the decommitment from USC. And, you know, I, I think it was, you know, you were kind of talking about what the coaches would say. I think, you know, Andre Hunt said as much too that, you know, last year he got to the point where, it was becoming more and more clear that he probably wasn't going to play very much. And he kind of stopped short of saying he packed it in, but, you know, I, I think that there was certainly a, a lack of a carrot all of a sudden for him to kind of keep working. And, you know, I, I think the off season he was kind of able to refocus himself a little bit. I think part of that is that the coaching staff basically was saying, look, Stanley Morgan's gone. We need somebody – that can step in and try to fill some of that production. And, you know, to his credit, he's really stepped up and done it. I mean, he looks like a totally different player. It looks like he's added some good weight. 
Uh, he was always quick, um, you know, a, a pretty elite speed. So, I mean, when you look at that group, I mean, why not him? I mean, you, you've got Jerome Woodyard and Mike Williams that are still running with the twos right now. Um, two guys that you were kind of hoping would, would, you know, the light would come on this spring for them. Maybe there's still time in the summer and, and fall camp, but I mean, it, it kind of has to be Andre Hunt at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, it was just with the way that that depth chart is. I kind of go back and forth between whether people should worry about receiver or not because of the fact that they have so many of these hybrid type guys who, like, you, you, it's almost like two different conversations. You're like having one conversation about just a straight wide receiver guys who you, you see them as true receivers like Andre Hunt. And then there's that group of guys like Wandale, Miles Jones, uh, Brody Belt, Wyatt Mazur. I mean, all those guys can help you in the passing game. Maurice Washington can help you there. Uh, so you kind of, I don't know, I go back and forth between is that a concern area or not? Uh, but I think, then I always think about when Stanley Morgan first arrived here as a freshman, I was like, that guy is something. And you had that guy for four years. And so I, I never dismiss the idea that that's, that's a tough guy to replace, and it's going to take like two or three guys this year, I think, to kind of do it. I think my my fear for Nebraska's offense without a person like Stanley Morgan is that Adrian Martinez leaned on him pretty heavily. I mean, the, the usage rate between Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman was really high. So then when you take one of those guys out, the other one's banged up, how quickly can he develop good chemistry with those other wide receivers to the point where he trusts them, you know, when they need to make a play, go back to that Ohio state game, Nebraska needed to make a play to get back into that game late. And he goes to Stanley Morgan on a perfectly thrown ball down the sidelines. Like who's that guy going to be this year? And I I do think that that matters to an extent. I, I think that you can replace some of the offensive production with the tight ends and with Wandale Robinson and, and doing some different things. But ultimately, I, I want to know who the guy is going to be late in the game that when you need that first down, you have that receiver that you trust is going to be able to do that for you. I think it can be J.D. Spielman, but it was evident by the end of last year that Stanley Morgan, I mean, the Michigan State game, when they needed plays, it was Stanley Morton. And I just think that ultimately someone has to emerge there or the ceiling on Nebraska's offense is going to prevent it from being as good as it truly could be with a quarterback like Adrian Martinez. Yeah, I think some people are just kind of expecting this offense to be really good because that's the way it's supposed to go in year two. It happened at UCF, and they were solid last year, so why aren't they going to take that step? But I will say the one thing that leaves you a little concerned is how many guys who matter at skill spots aren't even on the campus yet. Like when you're talking about – the running back position, and maybe two of the three main guys aren't even here. That's always a little dangerous, I think, when you're when you're living in that world. And sure, that there are certain positions where guys can pick them up pretty quickly, and I'd say running back is one. But that's that's still tough, and I think people are going to kind of think that Saturday at the spring game when they look out and they see some of these spots, and it's going to look a little thin um, on Saturday. And, you, so you have a lot of trust in, like, Dedrick Mills and um, Ramir Johnson and these guys that they're just going to be the guy, and we'll see. That, I mean, that, that's where I want to 
have some caution, I think. I, I still hold firm in my belief that Darian Chase is going to have an opportunity to play right away yeah. when he gets here. I mean, it's there's some depth there, but I, I just really think that if somebody comes in in June and then puts it together in August, I mean, I, I think he's got a, a shot to really surprise some people given, given Nebraska's current depth situation. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I also think that's why wide receiver is that position where I could see Nebraska looking to add someone. There they are. I mean, they they've quietly kicked the tires on some some grad yeah. transfer wide receivers. Right, and and I mean, just continuing through the spring right. though, I, I I don't know if the average college football fan has yet realized that in the age of the transfer portal. There's still a lot of opportunity to add to your roster well beyond signing day. I think your, you know, your diehards, the people on our message boards, um, you know, people that noticed what they did last year, whether it was Will Jackson or Vaha or whoever, uh, will will pick up on that. But I, I think there also comes to be a point where someone's basically at that spring game thinking, you know, other than the incoming freshman, this is who Nebraska is going to be, and. Um, I, I fully expect that with those three extra spots, they're going to fill those. Uh, I don't know if who, and if I did, I'd go to Vegas right now. But I, I fully expect that they're going to, to give themselves the best shot at the most complete roster year in and year out. Troy Walters even told those guys that. He gave them basically a now or never speech last week for some of them. You know, like you basically got two weeks here, and some of you guys, you've been around here a while. If it's not happening, we're going to have to look elsewhere. So um, if you're in that meeting room and you hear that, you walk out of there thinking, I better get something done. Well, and and I think there was a serious discontent with how some of those guys practiced last year. Um, and, and, you know, Hunt mentioned what he did with that he might have checked out. Woodyard mentioned that he never felt comfortable, and when he finally did – he was so far on the depth chart that he couldn't really move up late in the season. Uh, Mike Williams was the guy that they were so excited about in the spring. And then in the fall, it just didn't click in the way that you wanted. So I, I think that, you know, that message kind of had to have been put out there by Walters. I, they were disappointing in a weird way, considering how good Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman was. Uh, but as a unit, as a whole – you kind of expected that there'd be a little bit more in terms of production from some other people. Mm -hmm. And that's been a problem problem for five, six, I don't know how many years, getting like a consistent unit at the same time, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will, when we come back, look into other parts of Nebraska's roster. We obviously just covered wide receiver. We jumped into what they have at walk-ons. But there's some other units here that are going to be pretty interesting when you get the chance to see them on Saturday. So we will go in depth on those when we return. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so we, we hit on wide receivers. We, we kind of mentioned running backs a little bit. Here's a unit that I think is going to be really interesting on Saturday where you already know who your unquestioned starter is, not just for this year, but for the next couple years. But I'm really curious what you guys think quarterback could look like for guys like Luke McCaffrey, Noah Vedro, and Andrew Bunch. Bunch, who was in the transfer portal, seemed very intent on staying. That backup quarterback job is really kind of interesting to me. I, I, I would think right now that you would have to have some quite a few oars if you were making a depth chart. I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, just because, let's say, Noah Vedral runs out there with the second group, I don't think that he's got that job sewn up by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I think Andrew Bunch having a, a year on the field, a year in the offense is certainly competitive uh, in that competition. And, you know, kind of from what we've heard, the, the athleticism and kind of buzz that Luke McCaffrey generated in high school has carried over pretty nicely to his time at Nebraska so far. We'll see, you know, where he's at as a, as a passer. I mean, I think Mario Verduzco likes what he can become uh, as a passer. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing that they always look for in this offense is they want somebody who can run. They want an athlete. And McCaffrey has certainly been – every bit of that since he's been in Nebraska. So, I mean, it, with the four-game retro rule, I mean, does he have an opportunity to to maybe get in there in some of those, you know, big lead games that Mike was talking about? I think so. I th- I think he honestly, if, if he weren't a true freshman, would have a really good shot to be a straight-up number two. Like, I, I think he's got that type of skill set and the way they just go on about him makes me think that. I could see a deal where if he does really well, he's sort of your number two, but it's not, like, public. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you get in a real jam, maybe he's – like, so let's say, knock on wood, there's a big injury, and you got to go to a guy for five, six games. Do you let him play? Also knowing that you could let a guy like that play this season if you felt he was your next best option and still use that redshirt rule – the next year when you've got Martinez around, you know, where you work him in four games and he would still get um, several years to a couple of years, at least to try to be the starter. Yeah. I, and the impressive thing to me is just that I think that you could do that with McCaffrey, but you also probably wouldn't necessarily have to. And maybe I'm just a little bit higher on Andrew Bunch than um, Bunchy. I would have guessed, but I, yeah, he means bunchy, I, think I think that you could make the real case that he could be Nebraska's backup quarterback again, and they'd feel pretty good about it. I, I know that they liked where they were at last year. I know that they wanted him to stick around just to continue that depth. And in addition to all of that, you've got Noah Vedrill, who, as I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, he's settled. I mean, he's not going through a year of turmoil. He knows what his role is supposed to be. He doesn't necessarily have to play the – the role where it's his job to teach the offense to other people. He doesn't have to worry about what the NTA or UCF or anything going on there. He can just go play football. I wouldn't be surprised if on Saturday 
he looks really comfortable and settled, unlike how he looked last year when it was very much a, this is my first ever opportunity to play as a Nebraska Cornhusker to live my family's legacy. Mm-hmm. And he kind of was a little scattered a bit. Same thing when he went in against Bethune-Cookman. So they they went from a year of which all of the hand-wringing about what they had behind Adrian Martinez to legitimately three options that at least a couple in the short term that you really like and then one in the long term that you know Luke McCaffrey I think people are a lot more excited about now than necessarily when he committed last June. Well everybody is not everybody but I think a lot of people kind of had the thought of oh well you know try quarterback if it doesn't work out he's gonna go somewhere else. That narrative did not come from this podcast or the people on it I know that much. That that narrative is not gonna fly um He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback, and I think they really like uh, what his ceiling can be at quarterback. The the quarterbacks on Saturday, though, I'm curious to see once you get past that first group because, I mean, there are going to be some pretty glaring depth problems at certain positions. Um, once you get into that third group, what, what that kind of looks like. Because I, I don't know that you know necessarily how those quarterbacks look with a third or a fourth group or something like that is necessarily going to be – reflective of their personal abilities yeah. to, to potentially run that offense. I'm, I'm curious if they try to work some of those quarterbacks in with as many of the first and second team guys as possible to give them real looks uh, at some things. What what positions besides running back wide receiver jump out as depth concerns? Well, I, offensive line. I mean, once you get past that first group at certain spots, it gets a little, little green. Um you know, I, I think they've got five guys they feel okay about right now. But when you start getting into that third third team offensive line, um, you know that that quarterback might need to be ready to uh, bail and, and start running pretty quickly. I think I think outside linebacker is still a depth worry. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you've got JoJo Doman has to be what everybody kind of imagined. And that still needs to be proven. I feel like he's just kind of like, like what do people imagine for JoJo Doman? JoJo, like- Do- JoJo Doman, and I, do, I understand why. Because when he's been out there, he does make plays, and you're like, oh, man. Yeah. You get all pumped up about it. Then he goes in against Ohio State and causes a turnover that completely changes the right. game. And I think messed with Haskins' head the whole rest of the day, honestly, with that hit. Yep. Um, but there's kind of this idea like, oh, they're fine with JoJo. And he hasn't played that much football. Um, and once you get past him and Tyron, uh, Alex Davis is having a nice spring, we're told, but I think a lot of people are skeptical. And then who, you know, you're talking about Caleb Tanner. He's got to show up and you can tell he's got a challenge in front of him. Eric Chenander didn't get all wishy touchy feely about him when asked about him earlier this spring. It was sort of a, well, he's got to do it now. He's got to figure this thing out. Um, Breon Dixon, haven't heard a lot about him this spring, to be honest. Garrett David Nelson, Austin. I think they like. Yeah. So where maybe he fits in. I think they're going to be okay depth-wise on the back end, actually, and especially when the other guys show up this summer. But you wouldn't safety's still unproven. Nobody's done it yet. Yeah. I, well, Deontay Williams did in a small kind of yeah sample size. I mean, he still had two interceptions, forced fumbles, all that good stuff. I think that there's an argument to be made that defensively Nebraska's strength is their secondary when last year 
that was like everyone's biggest concern is how they were going to look and how bad their corners were and all these other things. And now it, it really feels like they have a very strong secondary to the point where if the defensive line shows improvement, you might have a better pass rush because quarterbacks aren't able to get the ball out pretty quickly. And if your defensive line is able to win some one-on-one battles or Darian Daniels can keep some guys off of some linebackers when you're trying to blitz or Ben Stilley makes the kind of jump that I think he will. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, especially after the last two years in my uh, notorious arguments with Michael Brunts over such things. <laughs> Are they going to be better? I feel like the defense is going to be better. Wow. I actually think they're They were better last year. I'm going to stop short of saying they're going to be good, but I think they're going to be better than people think. All they got to be is a top – like 55 defense. I think they can do that. I actually think they're going to have a lot of takeaways this upcoming year, too. I, I think we're going to see a pretty substantial jump in those statistics as well. I see skepticism. Mike and Mike and Brian, here's a question for you. Um, do you one, – one defensive player that you are – I know we're going to talk about the spring game more in depth later in the week, but one player on defense that you are really wanting to see this might be too obvious of an answer, but Cam Taylor, because I want to see where they're lining him up at. I want to see if they are really rotating him between safety and corner and nickel and dime and whatever else. I want to see if he's just locked into one spot. And I kind of want to see when and how he's used. I don't know how much you can actually take away from that, but he's a really intriguing guy in that secondary because he currently doesn't seem like he would be a starter, but there's no way I can imagine he's not getting a ton of reps throughout the duration of an actual game. I'd say Colin Miller. Spring games can be good for linebackers. Sometimes spring games are just not – it feels like they're not really good for defense. You know, like – and that's what I worry about a little bit. Everybody's heard, you know, well, the defense won the spring, and now if they go out and it's one of those games where the offense just moves it up and down, people are going to question that. I don't think they should – but I think Colin Miller has kind of solidified himself as much as he can right now as the guy next to Mo Berry when you listen to Barrett Rude talk about it. But what's that look like? I mean, is to put it bluntly, there's a lot of people who didn't think Dedrick Young was that good. I mean, or, or didn't, you know, his play didn't match his numbers, and he tests very well, but – he, he took his share of criticism. Well, now we get to see what it's like without Dedrick Young. Like, is, is there a drop-off? Is it the same? Is the next guy, can he actually elevate above that? And I don't know what the answer is, so I'm curious about that. I'm always a big fan of defensive tackles that can kind of just make, make life miserable. You look like that. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> the, everybody, I think, is going to be looking at, at Darian Daniels, but Damian Daniels – just from the little bit that we've seen of him in, in very limited glimpses of practice, like he looks like a different player to me. Like he's looks like he's in better shape. I know that Nebraska says he still needs to get in better shape, but you know, he's all of what, 320, 330 pounds right now. Looks mm-hmm. a lot better put together. I I'm curious to see if he has taken the next step because, you know, you, you've got his brother in there, which I think has been uh positive just for having him around and you know nebraska 
was okay in, in the middle of the line last year. I think they have the potential to be much, much better there this year, especially if they're able to add some pieces uh, this summer potentially to that group. And, you know, I, I think Damian Daniels uh, is kind of due for that next step in his career. I've always felt like you've, over the last few years, Nebraska's defensive line on paper, like name-wise, you look at it, you're like, okay, they should be pretty good because you kind of you add it up with the Davis twins and, you know, when, when Mick was here and some of these guys and you think, well, they have the experience. This is the year they take that next step. But if you look down further on that paper at height and weight, it just wasn't there. And now it is there. So, and I, I think that's what people are going to, from the stand, see the most is they're going to look out and they're going to see a defensive line like, yeah, they're bigger. That looks like a Big Ten defensive line. If nothing else, I think they'll take that away Saturday. And, and it, I, I'm, it needs to start mattering that guys have played as much Big Ten football as they yeah, have. I mean, there, it hasn't. There, there were guys that started multiple years where it was kind of like, oh, right, he's, he's still there, isn't he? Um, that needs to change. And I, I think that you will hopefully see that shift this year. And you want to see – Alex Davis is a good example. Like, I want to see a guy like that, We're not, not D-line, but just a guy who, who's been in the program. People kind of say, oh, the book is written on that guy. And then we find out his senior year, no, it's not. And we have not seen that in a long time. It's hard to think of a lot of examples of that. There's a, probably a couple I'm not thinking of, but there's not many. It's like the Barry Turner Memorial Award, basically. Yeah. Just, or like Justin Jackson. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going back to like 2012, though, on the center, O-line. But you know what I mean? Like, there's got to be a dude like, oh, that guy, no. And then suddenly you're like, okay, I was wrong. He, he changed his story. Yeah, I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's more than fair. I think one of the things Brunts was mentioning with Damian Daniels, I, I really feel like his brother being with a program has in some ways because of how brothers are and the competition that comes from it has probably pushed him in a direction that Nebraska wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And I'm really curious to see if that manifests itself with, uh, you know, a, a potential big season. And, and frankly, if Damian Daniels gives you everything you want in the middle and that allows you to move Darian Daniels to an end spot, you're even better for it. And so that that's certainly going to be something interesting to see. But we will be able to kind of go a little bit more in depth on even a few more of these things that we didn't quite get to today. On Thursday, we will have plenty of recruiting talk. Uh, going to be a very interesting visit list. Nebraska got a commitment last week. I talked about it in Xavier Betts. He won't be there. But Nebraska will have uh, Shane Smothers or Logan Smothers. Um, Shane and- will be there too. Well, yeah, Shane's the dad. Um, uh, and, and a few other people in town as well. And we'll, we'll hit on that list next week. I don't want to end this podcast without getting a couple very important predictions. I mean, this is a CBS-sponsored show. We need to talk about the Masters. Hmm. How, how dare we at least not get a couple minutes in. Brunts is mad. We're going over. We're going to have to pay for these extra two minutes now. Like, look at the face he's giving me. This is ridiculous. Brian, is Tiger going to make the cut? All right, come on, don't patronize me. I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'm going to say Tiger's top five, and I'll put a bet on it. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. Something we'll think of that. Yeah. Whoa, is that a is that a potential sweater vest bet? Well, I think you what, mean top five after day one or day two. I'm talking at the end of this thing. Oh, wow. Tiger's in the top five. Top five. Yeah. 
That's uh, wow. You could have said top twenty. I'd have been hesitant. Top five. Right. I'll take your bet. I'll take your bet. Who who do you have winning it? Both of you. Uh, give me Justin Thomas. I uh, against my better judgment will say Dustin Johnson. It's Rory for the glory this year. Career slam. Playing the best. All right. Well, we can we can discuss some more golf. Brunts has just given me the wrap up sign. So I guess let me quickly say you can catch everything at Husker twenty four seven spring related. Whether it's visits, whether it's stories about Brody Belt, whether it's stories about Damian Daniels, other players on Nebraska's team, you can always get that at Husker 24-7.